Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Imaginal Space Podcast. My name is Katherine Perry, and I'm so excited to be sharing space with you today. This episode of the Imaginal Space Podcast was actually recorded before I decided that I officially wanted to create a podcast. So it's not that the information is any different. It just it actually just doesn't have an intro, which is why I am recording it now. I wanted to include it in the podcast family because I found that the stories and the downloads and the insights that I received from the cards are incredibly relevant to later episodes, which will just, they will come after, after this bonus episode. So I hope that you enjoy it as much as I, you know, enjoyed recording it and sharing it with you. And I will see you on the other side. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm really excited because I actually wanted to continue talking about something that I mentioned or that came through rather on, I believe it was the very first recording that I did, because I believe it was that recording that I was talking a little bit about, you know, how important it is to realize that, you know, we can be human beings, we can be people, we can, you know, have imperfection. I'm not sure if I used the word or if I talked about the concept specifically of, you know, simultaneously holding space for our perfection as souls, as channels, as our own healers, as our own guides, and, you know, the imperfections we have and the learning curves. I think that's the word that I used quite a bit during that recording. So you don't necessarily, I mean, if you want to, you can go, you know, go back and listen to it. But I only talked about this topic for 20 minutes tops. And I thought, you know what, I definitely, I think that this is something that is so, so important to cover because I think that, you know, the idea of always learning and always growing as you know, all human beings do, I do believe that that is what prevented me from seeing myself, you know, for a very, very long time as my own healer, channel, guide, etc. So today I wanted to talk about that and that will weave into the idea of the soul or the soul narrative, you know, depending on what it is that you do or don't believe in. You know, if you believe that you know, we actually have souls. That's great. Something tells me that if you're listening to this, you probably do. And if you don't, that's totally fine. You know, even the idea, that's why, you know, you can use them interchangeably. The narrative of the soul as an anchor is just as powerful. You know, it just, it depends on what your personal beliefs are, but either way, there is space for you here. So let me go back a little bit and elaborate some more. So about a couple of days ago, and since I did record it about a couple of days ago, I'm not entirely sure exactly what I said about it, but I do know that I was discussing or, you know, receiving information 
on this idea that, you know, one of the biggest blocks that I think a lot of us have is that, you know, especially now with the way that we are able social media. Oh my gosh. Let me just like, I was like, okay, I know I'm definitely going to have to talk about this. Um, especially with social media and the rise of just how many healers there are. It's a couple of things. So, I mean, 10 years ago, maybe even eight years ago or five years ago, the world wasn't quite like this, you know? And if you are anywhere even kind of immersed in, I guess, what you could call the wellness or spiritual community, I really, really need another name for that because, again, those those words, they have just like, they have taken on a life of their own. And I don't quite like them only because I think that they imply that, you know, wellness, spirituality, et cetera, is only for one kind of person and that it only belongs to one kind of person. And I do believe that, you know, those words in their true nature, they belong to everybody, but that's, um, that's something separate. So, you know, the way in which we are able to connect with one another over the internet it kind of, it allows even, not that this wasn't done before, but it allows even more for us to put certain people on a pedestal, you know, in terms of, and I'll probably just use healers as a catch-all phrase so I don't list, you know, every single one, every single time. Um, but it really does allow us to put certain people on a pedestal. And, you know, when we look at them, I think, all of us know by now that social media is an illusion, but it's something that I don't think that we really address enough. So when we see our favorite, you know, healers, teachers, guides on, you know, any sort of social media website, you know, it, it looks as if, and this is, I mean, this is not just for them. This is for everybody on social media. And this is a part of the problem. It, those platforms are designed to make, you know, I, I think everybody's heard of the term highlight reel. It's made to, you know, it's designed, you know, to be somebody's highlight reel. And so when we look up to certain people, you know, for certain kinds of information, it just adds to this idea and it, you know, creates this barrier and this wall and it makes it look like, you know, healing is inaccessible. You know, healing is only for this kind of person. It's only for, you know, these, you know, seemingly perfect people. That's what I'm really getting at here. You know, these platforms, while they're great, you know, because they allow us to share and connect in a way that, you know, people even a decade ago were not even experiencing quite yet in this way. It's great to be able to connect you know, on this level and with so many more people than we would have been able to, you know, 10 years ago. But I do think it is contributing to this idea that, you know, healers, guides, teachers, they are all perfect and that you have to have everything in, I guess, you know, your human life as a human expression, you have to have it all together in order to hold space for yourself. And so that's what I was beginning to, or I kind of talked about a couple of days ago. And I wanted to not only reiterate that, but also go deeper because 
I know, I mean, it might not be the biggest block for everybody. I know that was one of the biggest entry blocks for me to even, you know, take myself seriously as, you know, just holding space for myself. And I think that's really messed up. I think it's really messed up that, you know, we think that you have to, I guess, check every single box and, you know, be perfect as a human when that is quite literally impossible. And none of those people, none of the healers, guides, gurus that you, you know, you and I, because there are people that I absolutely look up to. But I also realized, and this is something that I did note in one of my previous recordings, one of the reasons that I really, really look up to them is because they acknowledge two things. You know, they acknowledge the imperfection of maybe it's three things. I I think it is three. So they acknowledge the imperfection, you know, that they hold space for their imperfection, you know, because they know that they're humans too. You know, they're not out here pretending that they are perfect in any way, shape or form. And so that is something that I'm like, wow, you know, I really, really appreciate that about you. So that's number one, you know, they acknowledge that they are human beings, which, you know, seems pretty basic, but I feel like more and more people are straying away from that. And I don't know if it's because they want to be like, oh, you know, I am, you know, this great mystical healer. You need to rely on me. And that's like the kind of dependency that I don't like. And I think that, you know, the again, I mean, this is a separate reason that I, when I think about the people that I really admire, they don't really have to worry about that. You know, they don't need you know, anybody's dependency on them in order to be in their power. And I think that they are honestly even more in their power because they know exactly who they are. So number one is they just acknowledge that they are human, just like everyone else. And number two, you know, they acknowledge that they are just because they're human, that they also basically space holders, you know, for the healing that comes in. And I mean, this might vary amongst different people, you know, because the people that I deeply admire, they do believe in some concept of, you know, the mystery, love or creation, something like that. Even nature, they believe in some sort of higher power outside of them that they are holding space for that is providing the healing. And then number three, uh, which is also a big one because of that. And because they are just a space holder, they acknowledge that you were the one healing yourself because ultimately it is at the end of the day up to you whether you want to hold space for yourself in order to show up for yourself and receive the healing that you need to receive. So those three core things and they all they all go hand in hand really, really well together. But I feel at the core of it is this ability to hold space simultaneously for the imperfection and perfection with you within you you know at the same time so you know acknowledging that as humans we are naturally imperfect and that imperfection is what allows us and this is what i was you know dipping into a little bit but i was like oh my gosh this is so so important you know um Those imperfections, again, I believe I called them learning curves, are what allow us to receive new information, new 
you know, forms of intelligence, new downloads, you know, it's the, it's so interesting because the perfection and the imperfection goes hand in hand. You know, what's so wonderful about this is that, you know, the way that I imagine the way that I receive information is that the infinite amounts of information, you know, with regards to the archetypes, which it's just a form, you know, it's just a specific language. It's just a vessel, but all of the information, all of the wisdom that I could ever need is already out there. And depending on where I am and what I'm doing, I'm just holding space for different parts of information, different bits of information at the same time. So the information is always out there. The wisdom is always there. It's always ready. It's always accessible because at the end of the day, the different downloads and, you know, I guess, insights that I receive, what's so amazing about them is that they are tailored to the exact situation that I am in, you know, at the time that I need it. And could you imagine if you just, you know, because we, again, we are human and that's, you know, what a lot of this is going to be focused on today is that we are human. And, you know, could you imagine if all of that wealth of knowledge was just dropped on our heads at once, you know, that would be too much. And also I found that, you know, when, you know, depending on what I'm doing, if I receive too much information at once, it, I don't even know where to look. I, I'm just like, I don't know where that goes, where this goes and what to do about this. And it's, it's, it's just like a little bit too much at, you know, at once. So there is a right time and a right place, you know, to be receiving different kinds of information. And so that is, you know, the focal point of this conversation is that, you know, we are human and we are imperfect for a reason because imperfection is what, so basically imperfection is what calls for medicine. So there are, think back on, you know, try and imagine your life two ways, you know, imagine it now with all of the imperfections that it, you know, that you have experienced and think about all of the, you know, the things that you've learned, you know, just think of in the simplest way possible. Think of all of the lessons that you've learned, you know, from particular situations and then Imagine if your life was just perfect all the time, you know, there would be nothing to learn. There would be no wisdom to download. There would be nothing to share. And so it's, they go hand in hand. They really do. You know, this human experience and the, all of the potential wisdom, all of the potential downloads in the entire universe, they all go together, you know, because we only, and it's kind of the, that's just a part of the sacred dance of the universe that our minds can't comprehend, but that we can kind of just know in our hearts that it just, it works, you know, that we need certain things at certain times. And so we use that wisdom to learn about different things and we use it to navigate. But I think that this is something that is quite frankly, so overlooked and it is so important because what I also see a lot of right now is especially, I guess you could say in the healing, wellness, spiritual spaces, 
people literally forgetting that they are human or, you know, again, like I think, you know, the phrases love and light are tossed around a lot. There's I wrote an entire section about how those words aren't inherently a bad thing, but the way that the intention behind them is, you know, more that matters. But a lot of people use them to, again, bypass their entire human experience. And I'm just like, no, no, like we we need it. You know, the human experience is what allows your downloads to come through when they do. It is, you, do you know what I mean? The In the same way that perfection creates imperfection, this, you know, the, I guess, the physical and the non-physical, the material and the spiritual, they also go hand in hand. So there would be no spiritual experiences. There would be no healings. There would be no channeling. There would be none of this without the human experience. And I think that that is something that we forget about a lot of the time, or we just, we choose not to acknowledge it because we want to be all, I mean, I don't even know. I don't know how you would even describe that. But I think that in, and also, I mean, I I wouldn't want to think this about anybody, but I think that what the idea or this idea that, you know, all healers, channelers, space holders, you know, they need to be perfect in their own lives. I mean, I, I wouldn't like to think that, you know, this is why, but I think that that idea purposefully keeps people small and keeps people, you know, from stepping into their own power as their own space holder, if that makes sense, you know? So this idea that, you know, there's only one way to be a healer. There's only one way to be a space holder. And I'm not just talking about physically. I mean, that's a totally separate thing on its own, but also it's a part of this, you know, um, that healers look one way, you know, typically Caucasian, typically, you know, thinner, typically, you know, also female, probably, oddly enough, you know, in this patriarchal society, it is usually female, but also there is a lot of, um, there's still a lot of masculine energy just in every business or in every industry ever. Um, So that's one thing, but also that's not necessarily what I was talking about. I was talking about how, you know, people think that there is only a cup, like a handful of ways to heal. And that is just further from, just could not be further from the truth. So what I totally, I don't even think I mentioned this. Um, It probably comes as no surprise to you that There are cards in front of me, and what's interesting about the cards is they change in meaning all the time to me. I mean, they all have one central theme, but they they change all the time. Um, in in terms of what it is that I receive from them, so this concept, the entire concept of perfection creating imperfection and we are containers for both at the same time that came through the father and what's so interesting about I mean but again I think I put this somewhere in the Q&A I think that I mean obviously I'm so in love with this deck I this is 
one of my favorite decks that has ever been created. You know, I've experimented with a bunch of them. Probably, you know what, that's not even fair. Probably not as much as most people have. Um, but I've experimented with a fair amount. And this is my favorite one. However, if you, just to let you know, if you were to go out tomorrow and order this deck on Amazon, I mean, highly recommend it. Kim is so talented. Kim Krantz, she created the entire thing. Um, but yeah, if you were to go buy this deck and the guidebook, none of my descriptions, none of the downloads, none of them match up with the guidebook. Like there might be a tiny, tiny correlation between the two. Um, the guidebook is a phenomenal read. I don't, I'm not even sure I read, uh, the entire thing. Uh, I still have it because there are some in here that at first not, I mean, some of them, most of them are, you know, things that we've heard about before or concepts that we've heard about before. A couple of them straight up when I first looked at it, uh, the cards, I was like, I have no idea what this word is. I have, I have no idea, but, um, yeah, just in case you were thinking of, you know, going out and buying a deck to, you know, kind of follow along, I will always post the pictures. Um, but as for the, if, if you were to buy it and you were like, uh, Katie said this, but this has nothing to do with the guidebook. It's because I don't even look at it, you know, ever, but because just, I mean, the archetypes, I think this was actually, um, either when I went to the original, probably when I went to the original release of the deck and Kim was talking about the archetypes, um, they are just, they are far too vast to be able to contain into a paragraph. And she does a great job of, you know, getting you started if that is something that you were interested in, but they cannot be contained into one paragraph. So the father is going to mean something to me today. And even if I pulled it every single day for the rest of my life, new things would come through all the time. But today, what is coming through for the father is this idea of the duality of perfection and imperfection, which might align with the story a little bit, but I haven't looked at it in a while. Um, but on the father card, which you will probably be able to see right now, but just so you know, or maybe even just for my own sake, um, there is a tree. It's kind of like a pine tree. I, You know what? I am not the expert on trees. So I definitely don't want to get this wrong, but it like the closest thing it would, would be like a pine tree or something like that. And it's kind of split down the middle and on one side it is black and the other side is white, you know? So I think that, you know, maybe no matter, no, it's not that, you know, I mean, the messages are different every single time, but it's kind of like, depending on what card it is, the messages all have a central flavor, you know, which belongs to that archetype. So a lot of the flavors of the messages that I get for the father are of a dualistic nature. And so, yeah, today we're talking about the duality of perfection and imperfection. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of the father, which ties into this idea, is what I mentioned way, way, way back at the beginning about the soul being an anchor or the soul narrative as an anchor because the father so this this goes a little bit into you know 
masculine and feminine energy. And so this, uh, we all have different interpretations of what that really means. So I'm going to present you with mine. And, you know, if it's totally different from what you know, this is not something that I researched or anything like that. It's it's literally just whatever happens to be coming through in the moment. So for me, when I think about masculine energy at just in general, as it relates to creation specifically. Okay, I know you probably can't tell, but I had to take a break just to grab a snack because I heard my stomach two times. And I was like, I cannot have this, you know, showing up on the recording, but I just outed myself anyway for it. So I guess it doesn't really matter now. Um, but I'm full, I'm fed now, so we can just continue. So I believe I left off on the idea of masculine energy as it relates to creation. So the way that I see masculine versus feminine energy very, very briefly is, you know, the mass... The feminine is what's always changing. You know, that's what's always, you know, moving around and, you know, creating and, you know, dancing. That's, you know, it's like this beautiful dance of energy that creates within itself. And then the masculine is more of a container for that. You know, so, oh, perfect. It ties in perfectly. So it's kind of like in this example, I love, I love how all of this always comes together. The... Feminine energy is the human experience. And then the masculine energy is what I would say, you know, the soul as an anchor, the soul narrative as an anchor or just creation or um, love in general. That would be the masculine. So, for example, love, creation, the soul, the soul narrative that always stays constant. And that's what I love so much about doing these imaginal narratives is essentially I'm just providing you with something to anchor into and to ground into no matter what's happening. So again, the human physical experience is quite like feminine energy in that it's very unpredictable, not something that you can nail down very easily. You don't know what's going to happen. And it's so beautiful and oh my gosh, you know, we all somehow interact together in the most perfect ways to, you know, show each other different things and to awaken, you know, awaken different parts of our hearts, you know, with different people at different times. That dance of the universe that I mentioned earlier is the dance of, oh, that banana must have given me some energy, that whole snack. Um, yeah, that energy or that dance of the universe that I was talking about before, you know, where we're all interacting with one another in divine timing in one of the other recordings. I'm not entirely which one it was, but I think I was saying, I said something like divine placement, like I just totally made it up. But it's basically when you meet certain people in certain places at certain times. So I guess, you know, you could encompass it all in divine timing. Um that's all the feminine. And then tapping into our relationships with creation, our relationships with love, you know, something that is eternal or our relationships with the soul, you know, represented by the soul narrative, that is masculine energy. And, you know, again, I think 
we all understand the concept that the masculine doesn't exist without the feminine. So that, you know, ties everything together really perfectly that, you know, the whole the dance that we do on a regular basis, you know, so when I'm talking to my mom later today, um, when I call my dad on the phone, you know, because we didn't quarantine together. So, you know, I call him or, you know, if I go on a walk and I pass by someone or if I choose to, you know, I don't know, sing to my plants over there, you know, that's definitely a lie. I definitely do not sing to my plants because my my talking voice is like, all right. Um, my singing voice is absolutely terrible. So I'll talk to my plants, but probably not going to sing to them. You know, even this interaction with you, that is all a part of the, you know, divine feminine dance of this universe. And, you know, I personally believe that there are no accidents. You know, even the people that you pass by on your random walk in the park, if you are so lucky right now to get to go on a walk in a park somewhere, that is a part of the divine feminine dance. And then what goes hand in hand with that is, uh, you know, within us, within, you know, everything everywhere, the whole container is the masculine, a.k.a. love, creation, the soul narrative, the soul, etc. And so those and this brings me back and honestly, in a way that I'm so excited about, about, you know, chant you know being your own space holder and being your own channel you know we both or sorry not we both we all have both the masculine and the feminine within us so we have the part of us that is always dancing you know always moving you can't see me but I'm doing some sort of weird dance right now with the rhythm of the universe you know just like sitting in my chair dancing and then we have the part of us that is creation itself and so it's kind of like as we are dancing, as we are moving, you know, still doing a weird dance over here, you know, through the universe, through our worlds, through our lives, we all, all, no matter what we are, we all have access to the divine, I was going to say the divine masculine, but I guess you can say that, divine feminine, divine masculine. I think people say divine feminine a lot more than divine masculine, but we always have access to the masculine creation, etc. And so what that to me, what that means is that we are all natural healers. We are all natural space holders. We are all channels because none of us can go without, you know, the feminine side and none of us can go without the masculine side. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a select few, you know, that may present it that way on, I don't know, Instagram or whatever, that it's not like a select few because they are a certain way or they look a certain way or their healing practice is a certain way that, I don't know, might be within what people would consider normalcy or, you know, within normal margins. It's not like they're the only ones with feminine and masculine to them. You know, we all are. And it all, I think it's time that we you know, began, I, I, I think that people, what I'm receiving now is that, you know, people are very used to honoring the divine feminine in, you know, a specific way, but I think it's time to honor the divine feminine in a new way that we are not necessarily, you know, used to. And that is honoring the changes we go through in this human experience as, you know, the divine feminine as a whole. 
And there are so many ways to do that. You know, there's honoring the divine feminine in ourselves, you know, just as in our personal human experience. There's also honoring the divine feminine as a whole. So, you know, honoring that I have my own human experience and that is also connected to my moms, you know, my sisters, my friends that I'm texting because, you know, can't see anybody. Um, And then also, you know, if I can, you know, go for a walk or something, you know, the other person that I'm just like, I don't even know you yet, but my divine feminine experience is connected to yours because I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. Right. You know, I think, because again, like, I mean, these are not things that I researched. These are things that I receive, but I'm pretty sure, you know, in general, the general consensus about the divine feminine is that it's, you know, how we are connected to everyone and everything else. And it's supposed to be about connecting to our intuition. But the only thing that bothers me about that is that everything about the divine feminine out there is like, oh, to connect to your divine feminine, you take a bath and then you grab some crystals and then you put them in the bath. Look, I love a bath probably more than the average person. You know, at first I didn't because quite frankly, I did not get it. I didn't get, you know, basically like I, I it's just like no, it's a lot of water. You know, it's a lot of water to be using because I need to be clean before I get in the bath. Otherwise, I feel like you're just soaking in your own dirt. But that's just, you know, my personal opinion. I'm just like, I got to like even before you go to like a a pool or something, they have you rinse off. So I couldn't just get into my bath dirty. And then also when you get out of your bath, you're not clean either. Um, But whatever, you know, personal opinions. I mean, now I love baths, you know, now that I have one. Because also I didn't have one, but my mom has one, you know. So, you know, one of the perks of quarantine, I got to take some baths. Um, But the the, my point is that the insinuation that you need to take a bath with some crystals and some, I don't know, flowers or you like the only like that's the only way to do it. The only way to access the divine feminine is through that or through journaling or I mean, also, I love journaling. So basically, I'm just coming after everything that it is that I actually love. It doesn't matter how you do it. I think that what people need to know is that you can do it any way that you want to, because I was about to come after going for a hike next. And that's also something I really, really love doing. So um, it's not about the specific manifestations of it. It's about this you know, overall idea that there is one way to do it and that you need to look a certain way while you're doing it and that you need to do X, Y, Z. And that's just, there are very, very simple ways, you know, to honor the divine feminine experience within you. And honestly, I think that one of the best ways that you can honor both, ooh, got some chills, uh, the divine masculine and the divine feminine within you is honoring your human experience, honoring it as your own teacher, you know, to be your own space holder, honoring the, sorry, honoring the, sometimes I, I speak kind of quickly. So I'm like trying to receive all of this information and I'm not sure if I got it out the way that I wanted to, but to me, honoring the feminine and masculine, the divine feminine and masculine within us all is honoring everyone and everything that is a part of this ever-changing, ever-evolving divine feminine experience 
as our teachers, our guides, our healers, our space holders, and being the person to realize that you can hold space for that yourself and that you can access the infinite eternal wisdom of the divine masculine. Yeah? Still with me, I hope. Um, And that's something you can do regardless of whose bath you're sitting in. You know, you don't need a bath to do that. You don't even need to be in a specific place to do that. You know, again, I think that, oh, wait, yeah, also, um, sorry, this also just, you know, flooded in and then it left. I hate it when that happens, but it just, it might not be the right time. So I can just, you know, talk about um, whatever it is later. But truly, I do believe that the way Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there it is. There it is. Um, Before I forget again, the way to really honor the divine masculine and feminine in yourself is to honor yourself as your teacher, yourself as your healer, yourself as your own channel, but then honoring also whatever it is that you believe in as, you know, the overall teacher. And I think that's really, really important. So... How do I, how do I quite say this? So, because I think I, it is so, so important. So for example, it's not that human beings, animals, plants, that they are no longer your teachers. Oh yeah. I love this. I love this, you know, for everybody. Um, yeah. It's not that, you know, all of these physical forms are not your teachers. It's that the God in them, the creation in them, the love in them is your teacher. Does that make sense? Because Okay, so a little bit about me. I used to be in like, what is it? I I don't want to say information junkie because I think that the word junkie is very, very insensitive, but that seems to be the phrase people are using. Someone that just, you know, took in a lot of information. You know, I apologize if I offended anybody um, because that is something that needs to be taken seriously. But um, yeah, okay. Uh, Not going to go back. Um, Just got to roll with it now. But yeah, I used to be the person that would consume information just for the sake of consuming information. And it was a lot. And what I really, I mean, information is great. You know, as I said earlier, there are, oh my gosh, whenever I think of these people, my my heart just fills with this warmth and this excitement because there are three you know, key healers. Yeah. You know what? Uh, healers, space holders, you know, these people are the real deal. You know, they are, they are something very, very special. Um, but I think that, you know, I realized it's not, it's not necessarily the information that they are presenting because the information they're they're all really, really different. One is a shaman and he is, oh my gosh, something else. Um, actually, all three of them studied shamanism. So there is probably something, all of them strongly have the archetype, the shaman, um, or express it. But also the other one is, one of them is actually a shaman. And then the other one is a shamanic practitioner. And the other one did sh- study shamanism. So, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of a correlation there. But they all they all have vastly different types of information. Anyway. None of that information, I mean, all of it is beautiful, but 
you know, for me, the information isn't what really mattered. It was their relationships with creation specifically that I deeply, deeply admired within them. So the real, so it was kind of like, I mean, the divine feminine led them to me at, you know, a certain time. But what I really admired within them was their relationship with the divine masculine. And here's, you know, where this all comes together. So a while ago, I decided, you know, if this, if my, because, you know, as you can probably tell, I deeply, deeply believe in God creation, etc. So, and again, all of the names are synonymous to me. But I realized, you know, if I really, really want my own relationship with God, they all need to go, you know, but not them specifically. It's just that the information needs to go, you know, because for me, I I noticed if I really want to learn how to be my own space holder and how to, I mean, we all we can all learn how to be space holders, how we channel is or if we channel at all, it is different. But I was at this point where, you know, to me, it was blatantly obvious. I'm receiving all kinds of information all the time. And I believe that, I mean, I believe we all have gifts. They are all a little bit different, but, you know, we all have them nonetheless. And I don't believe that they go away, but again, this is like the divine feminine, the divine masculine. We are still human. And so humans over time, we practice you know, so we practice developing these relationships and it doesn't mean that, you know, you know, one point, you know, the information is better or worse. We just, we hone those relationships, which is also, you know, an important part of this conversation. But I realized I really want to hone my own relationship with creation and see where that takes me. And from that day, I made the commitment. I said, creation is my teacher. And that is it. No more people. But also do do remember that, you know, I had had, I mean, and this is not about dishonoring my, like, oh my gosh, so many profound people have contributed to where, you know, I am right now, you know, but also not just your quintessential teachers and healers. You know, I started off talking about my mom the other day because my mom is one of those important people, oh my gosh, in my entire, I don't want to say journey, um, but yeah, kind of, um, in this process, process maybe, um, of coming to this point, let's just say life, you know, life, man. So she's one of the most important teachers, guys I've ever had, you know? And so, but what I needed to recognize a while ago is that the information I got from my mom, you know, and by the way, she, you know, she's, she is a healer. What am I talking about? You know, she works at a surgery center. Um, she does anesthesia. I feel like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I never know anymore. Should I have asked her before I said that? Probably. I don't know. Um, that's too vague though. You know, also I guess you could really try and find whatever. Um, I was just like, is that too personal? Probably not. Uh, no, that's a well-known fact. Okay. She works at a surgery center. She does anesthesia. She is a healer, just not in, I guess, the typical sense, you know, within, you know, what people would say within the wellness and, you know, spirituality community. Um, 
she has taught me so much about my own soul. And I mean, I know nothing about anesthesia, but she, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter. You know, the information, like the way people express the divine feminine within them, the way people experience their, you know, physical human experience. That was a lot of, you know, the word experience. That's not so much what matters. It matters. And this, oh my gosh, there's just so much. Um, This is what happens when you say creation is my teacher because it is the creation with it. Oh, that's what it is. It's the creation within my mother that is guiding me, not necessarily her story. You know, so that's what I meant by, I know nothing about anesthesia whatsoever. Um, And it is quite interesting. It's just, you know, me, biology, you know, I was a computer science major for a reason. There was no biology involved in computer science. But it's not her story, you know, that necessarily her story, her human experience that has taught me so much. It's just, you know, paying attention or just her her as creation is what has taught me. And so what it's a little bit harder to describe with quintessential, you know, or people who are, you know, those, you know, wellness, spiritual healers, shamans, you know, full time, because their information has been very, very helpful. And that's the part that I'm saying, I absolutely want to honor that the things that I have learned from them have been very, very useful. And, you know, at one point I was like, you know what, gotta release it because it's not necessarily mine anymore. However, again, I talked about these three people, you know, for just the way that they hold space for others, the way that they carry themselves. It's the creation within them that I deeply, deeply admire. So I didn't think that that's where we were going to go today at all, but that's usually what happens with these cards is, you know, I pull some cards and I look at them and I'm like, I know where we're starting. I have no idea where we're going to finish, you know, and then it's all channeling anyway. So then I, when I leave, I'm like, oh, what did I say again? Oh, who knows? Um, But that is that is one of the most important things that I have ever learned is if we really, really want to talk about honoring the divine feminine and the divine masculine to the greatest extent possible, it would be and this they all they're all the same thing. It would be honoring the creation within yourself and honoring the creation within other people and realizing that that is ultimately your greatest teacher, you know, because I think that again, and it depends on, it depends on also, by the way, what it is that you want to learn, because I had to learn this, you know, not the hard way, but like in the, oh yeah, that's right. So, um, for example, you know, shamanism, I feel like there's like, I think that's like a buzzword now, you know, there's a lot of talk on shamanism and again, all three of those people, you know, they have some sort of background or some sort of relationship with shamanism. So if I were to say, I want to become a shaman or something like that, um, for damn sure, I would need to go learn about the physical information and the story of being a shaman. That is not what I'm talking about. If you want to be a Reiki practitioner, go learn Reiki. If you want to learn about crystals, learn the story of crystals. For me, particularly, And I think this is why I wanted to learn about 
developing my own relationship with creation and what would come as a result of that. So for me, the path was, all right, if that's really, really, really what you want to know, then you need to stop, you know, looking at other people and what they're doing and really focus on honing this relationship if that's what you want to learn. So it also, it does, um, it does depend, you know, on what it is that you want to learn about because, you know, also I I heard somebody say this and I mean, it's something that is so obvious, but people don't think about this. You know, if you wanted to become a doctor tomorrow, you wouldn't just say, you know, oh, I like listened to this person's stuff and I looked at, you know, this person's Instagram. I'm a doctor now. No, you have to apply to college and then med school and you have to learn about the physical narrative of being a doctor. You know, that is not what I'm talking about. And it it would be the same thing. Crystals, shamanism, uh, plants, essential oils. That's an entire world, you know. Back to the bath, you know, I only use essential oils sometimes when I'm in the bath and there was one that I wanted to use. And thank goodness I did some research to find out you don't put it on your face because I'm really prone to just touching my face Um, sometimes when I'm in the bathtub too. And I had to be very aware, like, oh my gosh, Katie, please don't touch your face, you know, while you have these oils in the bathtub. And also there's carrier oils, but that's what I'm saying. So if that is... There, oh my gosh, there are so many beautiful ways in which that you can hold space for yourself. And if it does involve a physical, you know, some sort of physical entity or not entity, but you know what I'm saying. You know, if it involves some sort of other physical thing, honor that, whatever it is, honor that form of the divine feminine by really, you know, studying it. And for me, it's just, it's a little bit different depending on, but I'm just, I'm just talking about, you know, if you were like, I just want to know, I guess, my own relationship with creation, then yes, I would say creation is your teacher then. Does that make sense? Know what it is that you want to use how to create and hold space for yourself. I meant to say hold, but also create space. Um, that's really, really important. Again. Not where I thought that we were going to go today. Um, but that is really important because, you know, for me, I wanted this space to be about no matter what it is that you are interested in, just knowing that you are able to, just knowing that you are able to be your own best healer and your own, you know, space holder in whatever capacity it is that you need and that you are able to do that for yourself. And, you know, it seems like there are two separate things, but I mean, they kind of are and they're kind of not, you know, knowing that you can receive your own wisdom, you know, that's what I'm all about. And if you want it to come in a different form or like a specific form, then definitely take the time to learn that craft. You know, for me, it's, and it, it, all, it really, really depends, you know, so like for this, for example, I I was wondering what is this space going to be? What is the vessel? What is the physical form for this space? What is it that I'm going to do? And I went back and forth for a while like, well, even honestly, even before the conception of this space, even before this was an idea, well, actually, funnily enough, the idea came to me years ago. It's just 
it, it came in a phrase where I was like, I don't know what this means. But then the phrase kept on coming back, kept on coming back year after year. And I was like, I, I mean, I don't really know. And I just, I left it alone. And then only a couple of days ago did I realize, oh, I wrote this down in my journal and that's exactly what this is now. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, I was wondering for a while, what is the physical form of this space going to be? And so actually tying back into the divine feminine, the divine masculine, perfection, imperfection, I, I, one day I realized where I took like, I took a moment, just time out with myself, you know, what am I really presenting with these cards, for example, because these cards came out in 2019. They came out October 15th, 2019. So many things happened on October, you know, 15th, 2019 for me, um, but that's besides the point. Very, very magical day. Um, yeah, but these cards came out a less than, you know, less than a year ago. And so for me, I was like, I can't be, I'm not an expert in these cards per se, because they came out less than a year ago. And it takes, you know, time to master a craft. You know, that is something that also I feel as if we totally, we, we definitely dishonor, you know, what it really means for somebody to master a craft of something. But I also realized, you know, the cards were just a way for me to organize the channeled information, you know? So again, I've been talking about the father for, I mean, all of this has come through the father specifically, but this has nothing to do with the narrative of the father. You know, what I learned was these cards are a way for me to organize you know, the downloads that come through about creation, love, they help me to organize while I'm channeling and also create a story and create a narrative that I really, really enjoy doing. And it's not necessarily about learning the stories of the cards because that would be something entirely different. But there are just, there are so many ways, you know, for you to hold space for yourself and, ooh, yeah, honor, sorry. Um, every time I say it, it, it turns into something different honor the divine feminine and the divine masculine within yourself. So for some people, honoring the divine feminine within yourself would look like, you know, really taking a deep dive into what essential oils you can use, which ones need carrier oils, which ones you should definitely not put on your face, you know? Honoring the divine feminine would be doing that and then also taking the next step and realizing that, I can learn about this on a physical level, but I'm also meant to bring something totally new to the table, you know? So maybe, you know, again, I use essential oils because, you know, I've just got such sensitive skin and I cannot, you know, put anything on it. So that's why I was like, you know what, Katie, definitely got to research whatever it is that you put on your skin because this could end really, really badly for you. Um, so definitely taking the time to research whatever it is that you need to research so that way you can become seasoned, you can become, you know, a master of whatever your craft is. That's honoring, that's one way to honor the divine feminine. The other way is to, and then the way to honor the divine masculine within you at the same time would be to say, I know the basics. I know which oils don't mix well together. I know which ones you definitely do. 
But also, what, what is something that I can download from the unknown and bring to everybody else? That would be honoring the divine masculine within you. So there's a couple of ways, you know, honoring the divine feminine, kind of going back with the same example would be understanding I'm at a certain place at a certain time. I'm learning these things. I have my own learning curve, but that does not mean that, you know, creation is not within me. And that does not mean that I don't have, you know, different beautiful forms of love to share. So there are so many things. And, you know, that's just so full disclosure, I have three cards, but I think that in a weird, weird way, I might have already kind of talked about them. So one of them that I might have talked about before in theme, but I just I never actually said the name is Apocalypsis. And Apocalypsis is a card that I actually wrote about maybe a couple of months ago. And it's actually another one of my lenses. So this is one that I know oh too well. But this ties back into, this ties into everything, honestly, very, very well. Because to me, this is one of those funny, not so funny, <laughs> definitely, definitely not funny. Um, this is one of those cards, though, that has this theme of death and rebirth rolled into one. So there is a separate card for death. It's called Thanatos. This one specifically is more about revealing it's it is it has the energies of death and rebirth but also revealing different layers of yourself which i think is very much in, you know tied into the divine feminine in a really really beautiful way so you know again just so you don't get lost so father the masculine the father is the divine masculine and What's in, again, these archetypes, they all, you know, come together. And so, so you can have a full, you know, discussion of the divine masculine. It's almost impossible not to mention the divine feminine at least once. Um, so that was that. And so as like a branch of that, honoring this, you know, inherent duality of, the divine feminine, the divine masculine is honoring that different situations, different forms of the divine feminine. Because remember, the divine feminine is this human experience and the divine masculine is creation. It is love. It is the soul. It is the soul narrative. That is your anchor. Okay. The divine masculine is always your anchor. So again, you know, as I continue to speak, take note of what it is that you would consider your anchor and then use that whenever I say the word divine masculine or, you know, anchor. Because again, like I can only talk about what I know specifically. That's me honoring my divine feminine. Oh, perfect example. Um, part of me honoring my divine feminine is honoring, you know, what it is that I believe in and what it is that is very important to me. And honoring my relationship with the divine masculine, which just so happens to be with love, creation, God. Um, but you can use whatever you like, you know, some, but just whatever you use as, you know, your divine masculine, the whole, the whole point is that 
it is something that is independent of space and time, you know? So for example, creation, God, God is not bound by space or time. So that's the only thing. So that's why I feel, you know, the soul or the soul narrative that also works because your soul also independent of space and time, the way that I think about it. And so your soul narrative, the imaginal narrative um, from my offering, that is also in my eyes, independent of space and time. But I can only come up with so many, the examples that I know. So if you have something else that, again, the only key is a force or something that does not change with time, because then that's not your anchor anymore, because that that's a part of the divine feminine. The whole point is the divine feminine is what changes with, you know, form and moves around. And I'm doing the weird dancing thing again with my arms and my body. And then the divine masculine will stay the same no matter what. So, you know, for example, um, your family is not your divine masculine just because your family will be gone. Oh, wow. That just got morbid. Um, but yeah, uh, we all pass away. You know, we're, we are all, it's not a, it's not going to be a physical thing, you know, or a physical, you know what I mean? It's not going to be a physical thing just because we are so temporary. Our souls, again, the way I define the soul and thus the soul narrative that is eternal, that is something that you can always access, but different things are, you know, forms of the divine feminine. So just keep that in mind, you know, whatever it is that you like, just make sure it's eternal, you know, got it. Cool. So apocalypsis. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love where this is going. Might have to split this up into a part one, part two, because I did not expect this, but that's okay. Anyway, so apocalypsis. Yeah. What the apocalypse, so this card, again, is very special to me. Um, it's, an it's an initiation card. So what that means is um, it's one of the bigger energies in this deck. You know, the deck is divided into four suits, four categories, selves, places, tools, initiations. And the initiations are the grander forces that do reveal themselves over time. And so... I mean, I feel that they all do because all of the archetypes are so huge in nature. However, the initiations, if it's even possible to conceive, even more so. So, Apocalypsis. This helped me to honor the divine feminine within myself in a way that, you know, other archetypes have not just yet. So... We're not quite yet, but also it's a part of my narrative. So that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. So the key theme behind Apocalypsis is it's all about, you know, different. And this, again, it's kind of like the divine dance, the divine dance of the divine feminine. Um, It's the dance of the divine feminine at work. So, you know, for me, um, my mom is a great example. I didn't expect to you know, talk about my mom so much, um, but my mom is a great example. So just to, you know, keep things a little bit more contained. My mom is my soulmate in that she, and again, soulmates, hopefully all of us know that it's not just like a romantic thing. Otherwise, that, that's weird. Um, not judging, but like for me, that would be weird. Um, my mom is one of my soulmates because she, 
is always revealing, you know, oh man, that does make sense. Sorry. You know, things just like come through and I'm like, oh, um, okay. So I wrote a little bit about my mom on the archetypes and peonies page because peonies are my favorite flower for so many reasons. I wrote a whole thing on it. Um, but basically they represent beauty, kindness, and truth. My mom and my mom's favorite flowers are peonies and so are my sisters. And that's why, uh, that page is, you know, dedicated to them. Um, so this is so funny. So we're not funny. See, this is the, this is an example of the divine feminine at work because everything always comes together. This is why I love the cards so much. So, because they just helped me to paint this narrative. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So the, the peonies, again, beauty, kindness, and truth. My mom is always talking about the truth. You know, she is the queen of stand in your truth, tell the truth, etc. And sometimes, you know, we butt heads over that a little bit because, I mean, I don't know for sure, but my mom seems to believe in, you know, one core central truth. My truth, weirdly enough, is that everybody has their own and that None of them are true. All of them are true. And then also my truth is not true either. So I'm not trying to confuse you, but basically my truth is that there is none. And then that's not even a truth, you know? But anyway, that's just like a whole other thing. My mom is so big on, you know, this concept of truth. And again, peonies, beauty, love, and truth. And the way that apocalypsis is tied into this and the way that I'm connected to my mom is that Apocalypsis is about, you know, continually removing the veils of deception so you can, you know, how, oh, I love this card. I'm getting like the chills. So it's about removing the veils of deception to move closer to the truth of, and by, that's like however you define it, um, the truth of who you are. And so what my mom constantly does all the time is... She highlights different parts of me that I definitely need to acknowledge so that way I can remove, you know, whatever deception it is within myself so I can come closer to my truth. So deception, it's not, oh, how, how do I like explain this? So it's not, it's not a negative thing. You know, I would, for me personally, I believe that anything that is not you know, allowing you to honor the divine feminine, but really, really the divine masculine within yourself. So anything that is not supporting you in honoring yourself as a space holder, as your own healer, as your own channel for love, uh, you know, as somebody who has God within them, to me, that is deception. Understand? So it's not necessarily like a bad thing or, you know, like, very basic third dimensional deception where it's like, you know, my mom's showing me how I lie because I'm, that's not like, that's not what it is. It's not like, it's not like I have an addiction to lying and she's just like always calling me out. No. Um, what she is doing for me, however, in the most beautiful, maybe not some, sometimes not so graceful way. If you like, again, go back, this is directly tied into the archetype, the tear, because there's a lot of crying involved 
for me, you know, on my end, because I'm so sensitive. I'm a crier. You know, you can look back on that if you want to. Um, but yeah, it, it usually uh, comes through the form of tears and it's definitely not pretty. But in those, oh, things always makes uh, things always make sense um because there was like a passage somewhere I was reading about tears and a veil and this is you know this card apocalypse is, is about uh the veil of deception so anyway my mom and I because I truly do believe that you know she is my soulmate within my own language on a soul level she is always revealing to me the truth of love and equality, the truth of, you know, the divine feminine, the divine masculine, the truth of creation within myself. And that is what, you know, it's not always comfortable. You know, I mentioned the tears, the crying. Um, that's definitely a very real thing. But always, always without fail, you know, no matter how upset Again, and this is the divine feminine, the divine masculine. So this really is just a continuation of, you know, what I was talking about the other day. And I'm hoping this is all making sense because it all connects very well up here. And I hope it's coming out okay, you know, down here. Um, you know, a long time for me, part of, you know, honoring the divine feminine within me was honoring that, you know, I am very sensitive and that with my tears come great clarity. And again, this is the divine feminine, the dance of the universe, you know, for me realizing, you know, again, the archetype, the tear is one of my core lenses in my narrative. Um, but a part of honoring the divine feminine in general was realizing, you know, there are people like my mom that are going to trigger certain things in me and I need to pay attention to what it is that I'm crying about, you know, not all the time, but yeah, yeah, crying for sure. Um, so that way the veil can be lifted and the wisdom can come through. So, for example, you know, I talked about this in the very first recording. It'll be the first one once I publish it. Um, that my mom is actually the person that inspired this entire conversation about the divine feminine, the divine masculine, being your own channel, being your own space holder. Like, how amazing is that? But that would not have happened if I didn't learn how to honor the divine masculine and the divine feminine within myself. Because, you know, at that point, it was right before I launched this entire thing, right? And one of the things that I needed to learn was that if you are going to do this and you are going to commit to this, you know, what you really need to know is that we all have the divine feminine. We all have the part of us that's learning, changing, growing all the time. And we all have the divine masculine. We all have this relationship with God, source, spirit, etc. within us. And it's important to honor both. You know, they are a package deal. And so what my mom did and what so many other people, by the way, you know, it just so happens that my mom and I happen to be connected through this concept of truth and revealing. I'm probably going to pull some cards for my relationship with her later. You know, maybe that's like the next thing. Um, but yeah, no, my, my relation, I've always known my relationship with my mom has been connected to this concept of truth in some way. And so, oh yes. So 
Um, one of the things that I um, I was talking about the guidebook earlier is that it gives you um, Kim talks initially about which cards she believes connect to one another. And I specifically remember, you know, reading Apocalypsis connects to there is um, another card that is Alithia. I'm like saying it aloud for the first time. Um, it just it trans it's another one of those words like Apocalypsis that translates to something else. It translates to truth. And I just I remember seeing that it was the first day I got the book and I was like, oh, that card ties into truth. That's interesting. You know, way before I, you know, pulled any cards for myself. But um yeah, no, uh the so Different, all of this is to say that different parts of the divine feminine, different parts of this human experience bring us home to the truth of love within ourselves. And what's, and in order to, you know, really fully take part in this, you need to honor that, you know, everybody has something to reveal to you about yourself and your true nature divine feminine, but you also need to know, you need to have some concept of what that is in order, you know, for that to be fully leveraged. So for example, in this, you know, mini example, the way that, and this also ties into honoring, you know, yourself as yourself, as creation, as your teacher. Um, but basically, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about my mom and how, you know, on a creation level, she's my greatest teacher. Cause like I said, still you know don't know much about anesthesia um so it's not her story it's like her as creation through her story you know it's honoring yeah 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 it's um it's honoring my mom as that package deal you know honoring my mom as both you know honoring the creation within her and oh yes honoring the creation within her and honoring that, you know, she's going to say things at different times and I might be crying about it. Honoring both of those has really helped me to fully experience the beautiful expression that is my mom, you know? So, you know, it's honoring the fact that she has God within her. She has creation within her. She has unconditional love within her, her divine masculine. And, you know, she also we, you know, we're in sync together, you know, divine timing, divine placement. I feel like that's like not a real thing. Um, divine timing, you know, she says certain things at certain times and honoring that again, the divine feminine within her allows me to fully receive her in the fullest, most vibrant way possible. And that is what, you know, awakens different parts of my soul. You know, that is what brings me closer and closer in my own relationship with creation, you know, because again, she sparked this entire conversation, you know, if you can believe it, all of this came because I was crying a couple of days ago about whatever. And then 20 minutes later, I was like, oh, of course, you know, and now, so this is just a wonderful example. So re removing the veil of deception, it's not necessarily just about point blank lying to anybody. I mean, you are lying. Don't do that. Don't, I don't know. Don't do that. Um, it's about, so the veil, the way I view the veil of deception is anything that is 
you know, preventing you from becoming a fuller, more embodied expression of creation. And that's what, you know, that's what my mom is one example of one form of the divine feminine. There are things everywhere, you know, out there for you and for me. Because again, while this is one of my lenses, this reading is for everybody, you know? So there are plenty form, plenty of forms, you know, within this physical experience. Ooh, yeah. Okay. So there are plenty of forms within this physical experience that are bringing you closer home to honoring your divine feminine and divine masculine. Also realize that you were doing the same for other people. You know, never forget that. And that ties perfectly into the next card, which is the offering. So this is not just about, you know, what other people can do for you always. It's always about, you know, what it is that you can offer for other people. Because I truly do believe that when you honor both sides of the divine feminine and the divine masculine, again, we started with the concept of perfection, which would be the divine masculine. Yes, perfection would be the divine masculine because love is inherently, I guess, what you would call perfect. And then imperfection, where we're always learning about our learning curves, that would be the divine feminine. And, you know, I did talk a little bit. It, it's a couple of things. So I do believe that honoring both of those, the perfection and the imperfection, the divine masculine and the divine feminine within you, that is what really allows, oh, yes, that is what really allows you to um, bring your offering out in the fullest, most vibrant expression possible. So this ties all the way back to when I was talking about a little bit about Instagram or whatever and, you know, different, you know, thinking that like we have to be a certain way, we have to look a certain way, we have to, you know, have a certain way of like, you know, practicing healing in order to be space holders and to offer ourselves and how now you and I both know none of that is true. You know, you don't have to do any of that. Um, but what I do, so again, you know, bringing it back to, you know, three people that are always on my mind, you know, they are all very, very different. One of them is just so out there and I love it. Um, there, there are so many reasons why I love them. You know, one of them, you know, I mean, one of them, honestly, she is a white woman. And, you know, there are so many Caucasian women in this space. Um, but she's just, she's just so special. And then another one is, you know, a black man. And then the other one is a Taiwanese woman who is also so spectacular. I'm only saying, you know, what they look like just to show that, you know, What's interesting about, again, all of them is that they all studied shamanism, but it all comes through very, very different lenses. And that healers, like for me, it's not like I pointed out, you know, their physical, you know, appearance, not to say that that is what's important about them. But for me, they are all connected regardless of what they look like and what they offer. Um, Not again, not because of, you know, what connects them is not the way they look because they're all very different. And what connects them is not what they offer, because that is also very different. What connects them for me is their relationships with creation, which are also different. But you can tell that they, you know, those 
it's the relationships with creation in them, you know, that I deeply, deeply admire. And, you know, again, I'm talking about them because, you know, now what I'm realizing also is that I look up to them because they all honor the divine masculine and feminine within themselves, you know, not, not only on just like a perfection imperfection level, because we already talked about that, you know, they acknowledge that they are imperfect and that they are human. And they also have wonderful relationships with creation, but you know, they, they do such a beautiful, beautiful job. And I'm not sure I mentioned this yet, but they did such a beautiful job and continue to do so of acknowledging, you know, their place in this universal family. So the part that I'm not entirely sure that I talked about just yet was that one of the reasons that, you know, my life just changed forever when I said, you know, no more, you know, like, viewing teachers in this very, you know, third dimensional way, you know, from now on creation is your teacher. What that does is it's like the, it's the grand equalizer. So what do I mean by that? So if creation, if the idea of, you know, one universal soul or something like that, um, God, et cetera, if that is your teacher, that is within everybody. And that is on an equal level. So again, you know, those three, you know, quintessential healers, they are no more or less, you know, important. Um, they have no more or less to offer than my mother or my sister or any one of my friends or, you know, somebody on the street that I just don't even know yet. That's what that does for you. So when you say creation, the creator, whatever it is that you would want to call it is my teacher, what you are saying is that not only is the creation within everybody my teacher, but then that means everybody else is equal. No one is more or less whatever than anybody else. And I think that's really, really, really important. Because it kind of knocks the pedestals, you know, from underneath someone's feet somewhere. And it just equalizes, neutralizes everything. So they are as much as my, my teachers as my beautiful plant over there. And I think I've mentioned my plant now a couple of times. I'm just so proud of myself that I was able to keep it alive for the past couple of years. Orchids aren't easy. Um, my mom literally is evidence of that. Okay. Every orchid that my mom has dies. So that's probably why I'm also extra proud of it. Cause I was able to, you know, keep mine alive. Um, anywho. So yeah, what I, and so not only that, but again, their offerings to the world, I feel as if you are truly able to be, you know, a humble offering to this world when you understand and honor the divine feminine and masculine, the imperfection and the perfection within you, you know, because also I think some of us or not us, but just people, you know, in general, you know, put themselves on pedestals 
it's not always about putting other people on pedestals. It's about also making sure that you're not putting yourself on one either. No one needs to be on them anymore. So what they do support this idea of perfection and imperfection, feminine, masculine, um, material, spiritual. Yeah. Um, all of those dualities, what they do support is that integrating both of them allows you to express and offer yourself in just a way that you can't if you if you honor only one or the other. Because I think, you know, at least I've been down both of those paths. You know, if you only honor, weirdly enough, the divine feminine it's exact. What happens is exactly what I talked about before. If you only honor the divine feminine within you, and I know that like there was a long, I I think I also think a part of the problem is I think I defined these two a little bit differently than most people do. Um, but I think if you only honor the divine feminine, you forget about the creation within you. So this is you know, tied to what I was talking about earlier about thinking that there's only one way to, you know, or that you have to follow other people, you know, in order to access your divine feminine. Because while it, it it's, it's interesting because I think the divine feminine typically is, you know, tied into intuition, which to me, you know, everybody's intuitive. I also think that's something we all know, but everybody's intuitive. Everybody has intuition. Um, however, that should be so individualized and so personal and so unique to you, but what we've turned it into something that it, we've just turned it into something that's like canned marketed and like whatever. And so that's why I'm saying that if you only look at the divine feminine, there's two things that happen or can happen. It is, you know, you think that there's only one way to be a healer, one way to access your intuition. If you only acknowledge the imperfection within you, again, tied into this idea of following other people, you're never, it's kind of also like this dynamic between following and leading, which I'm not going to say that like following and leading is like some sort of direct translation into feminine and masculine. That's not necessarily true. I mean, for some people that might be true, but I mean, I don't know. Um, but it's not to me, the divine feminine without the divine masculine, the divine feminine of, you know, this universal dance without understanding that, you know, the creation is within you too, that leads to, and also tied into imperfection that leads you to not seeing how you can lead yourself. Does that make sense? So if, for example, if you think that you are only imperfection and that, you know, you can't, you only, like you can only, I mean, we all, we all have so much learning and so much growing to do. That's not the issue. But thinking that like, you know, you are so imperfect that like you have to do things a certain way or you have to follow other people. That's just what I'm not, I'm not down with, you know? So that would be only focusing on the divine feminine is, you know, only focusing on, again, for me, the divine feminine is the third dimensional experience. So only focusing on that, 
would, you know, possibly result in not really learning how to be your own space holder, you know, because again, baths are great. You know, I came to love them. Um, what's another example? So I'm not just like riding on baths this entire time. I don't know. Okay, whatever. But the bath it is. I just, nothing else is coming to mind. Um, man, what else is there? Or crystals? I don't know. I don't know what else is. You know what it is? I just, I, I'm focused so much on, you know, I've been focused so long on just doing my own thing that I'm just like, I'm forgetting about all this, like the stuff that literally I used to do too. Well, baths, new thing, obviously for me, but because I've mentioned that. Um, but yeah, any, any one of those ways that we think that there's only one way to do something, that's, you know, my point. My point is not, again, don't not take a bath if that is, you know, what you enjoy, because I, again, I think they're, they're great, but yeah, that, that's just, that's the trap. You know, the trap is, you know, thinking there's only one way to heal. And because I'm so imperfect and I'm only just a person, I mean, we are people, but because I'm only just a person, then I can't do anything, you know, really on my own. And I can't invent anything new because who am I to do that? And the problem with only acknowledging the divine masculine is thinking that you have nothing to learn. And that this whole experience is a waste of your time. And there, there is nothing that this experience can teach you. And then, you know, I've been, I've been on both sides. What am I talking about? I've been on that side. It's no fun. Okay. Because then you're like, huh, what is life? This is pointless. And then you have some sort of existential crisis that you don't know how to like kind of get yourself out of, you know? So, um, yeah, divine masculine existential crisis and divine feminine, not necessarily knowing, you know, what your relationship with creation could be like, not really knowing, you know, I guess your own intuition to its fullest capacity. You know, both sides need each other. It's not like a, you know, they're not direct opposites, you know, it's just that, I mean, to me, to me, they're not direct opposites, but they are, you know, to very, very powerful forces that do need one another. You know, you need to know that, you know, this physical experience is here so that way you can, you know, channel your own wisdom at a different time. Like, they just, they go together, and you need both. So thus far, we have talked about the Father. So the Father, Divine Feminine, Divine Masculine, Apocalypsis, you know, which is allowing the experience of the divine feminine and the divine masculine to guide you closer to the truth of love, revealing, removing that veil of deception and bringing you back to the truth of love that you are. The father in relation to the offering. So embracing your divine feminine and masculine perfection and imperfection allows you to really bring your offering to the world. Because again, you know, acknowledging those two, that busts through this illusion that we cannot be our own healers and space holders. And that's what really allows us to offer ourselves to the world. You know, acknowledging that the imperfection is our power. You know, again, if there is, I mean, there, I mean, there are actually tons of things I would love for you to remember, 
But I mean, if there was there if there was really really one thing, it's that the imperfection, the divine feminine, is our power and enhances our relationship with creation, God, the divine masculine. And there's one more, and it is the underworld. So, for me, what's coming through about the underworld specifically, which definitely connects to, you know, what's going on right now in terms of conversations within, I guess, man, I need a new name. Um, I'm going to say like the mystical community. I kind of like that a little bit better um, than like spiritual wellness, etc. Um, mystical, let's just say that, you know, maybe I'll have to include a note about that um, from now on, but you understand, you know, what I'm talking about. Um, so right now, specifically, there are a lot of conversations surrounding language in the mystical community. And it's, it, what's coming out right now is that these, you know, these words of love and light, we are all one, everything happens for a reason, the universe has your back. People are saying that we need to kind of, or just in general, remove these words or these phrases from our vocabulary. And they aren't, again, words are inherently neutral. They aren't wrong. I wrote an entire section on this. So definitely take a look if you're interested because I won't, you know, go super, super deep into it, I think, you know, because you never know with these things. Um, the words themselves aren't bad. The way that we use them is sometimes. Not bad, but just harmful, you know? Or harmful as in they aren't bringing more love and revealing more love. They are suppressing love. That's what that means to me. Definitely need to add that somewhere. So, you know, bad and good. Like to me, there is only suppressing love and then there is revealing love. And so depending on your intention with these phrases, you are either suppressing or revealing love. And so the only thing I'm not for is suppressing love. So, um, yeah, just, you know, just keep that in mind. Definitely just read that page. But what I really wanted to specifically talk about with the underworld and the divine feminine and the divine masculine is that what I would say with the underworld is that we all have these underworld experiences where we face, you know, the depths of darkness in our lives. We all, we all experience, you know, the archetype of the underworld at some point. And so the reason that I connected that to the language we use is because when people, for me primarily, when people use love and light with the intention to just say, forget about the darkness, I feel like they are missing out on such a key part to what this experience is. And so again, honoring, it's kind of like both the dark and the light are expressions of the divine feminine, you know? So if I were to draw some sort of chart or some sort of diagram, you know what? I'm not even going to bother with that because, uh, well, I was not actually going to do that. Um, but I mean, they're all part of everything. So that's kind of hard to conceptualize, whatever. Okay. All you need to know is that the dark and the light are both experience, both key experiences of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. So I'm actually 
kind of seeing this, you know, it's like a little visual in my head. Um, but the what I'm saying is, you know, a lot of people are saying love and light, but also to me, whenever you say light, that also implies the darkness. And so I think that the underworld actually is a beautiful metaphor for how duality, both sides of the, you know, duality is, duality is interesting. I'm not definitely, I'm definitely not going to try and, you know, cover all of duality um, right now, but you need the darkness in order to uncover the light. And so it might, I mean, the underworld and apocalypsis, those are two totally different cards. Um, they both have like the theme of darkness within them, but this is a little bit different. So think about a time when you had an underworld experience. You know, you had some sort of shadowy time. We've all had them where you were like, ooh, well, wait a minute. What about now? You know, now is even a great time, you know, depending on who you are, or where you are, um, you know, quarantine. But, you know, quarantine's not the same for everybody. But, you know, if you really, really couldn't think of one, I would just be like, hey, you know, what about now? So, yeah, just think back to a time when, you know, you really felt the darkness. You know, you were wondering, how am I going to come out of this? The darkness is what gives us an opportunity to reveal the light within ourselves. You know, in the same way that the divine feminine, all of those experiences are a way for us to reveal the divine masculine within ourselves. And then the divine masculine in turn is what allows for a more full expression of the divine feminine. So again, they're not direct opposites or anything like that. Not always. I mean, there are so, so, infinite manifestations and stories surrounding the divine feminine and the divine masculine. This is just one of them. And in some of those stories, yes, you know, they are, you know, direct opposites. But, you know, what I'm saying is, um, I think right now what we really need to understand is that the underworld, darkness, those are all key experiences that we all go through and is an integral part of the divine feminine. And the underworld, because it is an an integral part of the divine feminine, is also a part of the divine masculine. And so the darkness is not something to be avoided. It's not something to be scared of. It's not something to... And by the way, you know, I mean... Scared of, I mean, scared of on like a, you know, divine masculine level, like a soul level, because I'm not about here, you know, to sit here and pretend that, you know, the darkness, you know, that I'm just like running in there, you know, you know, full steam ahead. Um, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying on a soul level, this is all, oh, actually that ties in beautifully. You know, having, being aware of the divine feminine and the divine masculine simultaneously what it allows you to do is you know when those underworld experiences come like right now the only thing that has kept me sane through the, throughout this entire experience is this holding space for the divine feminine and the masculine you know so when we go through these underworld experiences understanding that yes they are key in revealing parts of ourselves you know at you know for the creation that who we are apocalypsis and the underworld again 
you know, the darkness reveals, you know, how we can become, you know, an offering to the world, you know, it all connects together. And so on a soul level, the soul is an anchor, you know, we don't need our souls aren't, you know, we can just connect to that, you know, our souls are not scared of, you know, underworld experiences, because they know, you know, and this is again, I know it kind of sounds like Okay, so again, phrases like everything happens for a reason, the universe has your back. This is one of the ways that you can use it so that it is empowering instead of disempowering, you know, because the way people are using it right now to say, you know, the universe has your back and everything happens for a reason. And, you know, to, you know, people of color, you know, people like me that have been, you know, experiencing the, you know, the result of years of systematic oppression, that's, you know, using it to basically say all of that's okay. And we don't need to do anything about that is disempowering. What would be the empowering way to say that is, you know, this is absolutely a part of the divine feminine experience but this is an opportunity to also show us how we can show up to love one another better, love one another on an equal level and love the creation within one another, you know, something like that, you know? So that's, this is a collective underworld experience. So that's an example of a collective experience. And then there's the individual experiences, you know, we've all been having, you know, as of late with, you know, the coronavirus, with quarantine. And I've been fortunate enough that, Nobody I know has been, you know, seriously, seriously sick. That's not the case with everybody. And again, so, you know, that is such a touchy subject because there are so many people that are sick and so many people, you know, that are dying. And so I think that it's really, really difficult to listen to anybody have anything to say about it, you know, that hasn't had a family member or a loved one, you know, pass away. But another great example, you know, this was so helpful to me, you know, when I did have a family member pass away, you know, understanding that, man, there's like so much, you know, that she, you know, taught me about that. But, you know, what would have been crazy for me to say, you know, at the moment, you know, again, with the tears running down my face, um, you know, the moment she died would the the craziest thing, you know, that I could have said would have been everything happens for a reason. I mean, yes, everybody passes away. Yes. Um, but that would not see the difference is that would not have allowed me to really I, I feel like those phrases with just the intention of brushing it off, that's the main issue. So using them to bypass, you know, certain experiences at the end of the day, you know, who you're really hurting is yourself, you know, because when you use phrases like that, just, you know, to bypass certain issues, you're not growing to the full capacity that you could be. Um, so that's just, I mean, that's, what's really happening. Like, yes, Though that language is harmful in, you know, going back to the collective example, 
you know, perpetuating, you know, certain forms of injustice, but it's really harmful to you because you're not really showing up in the full capacity, you know, that you are, you know, and that you could be. So, um, but yes, you know, the archetype of the underworld, I'm like looking at the card now. It's like, oh, that's like actually kind of cute. It's got like some, sometimes I don't really stare at these for too long. It's got like a little, a little cute creature on it. I'm not sure if that was intentional. But it has like, I don't know, it is actually kind of creepy. It has like, it's it's like this weird combination of creepy and cute. It's got like little three eyes on it. Um. <laughs> anyway. um. But yeah, no, I definitely a key part to all of this, especially right now, is understanding that underworld experiences, you know, experiences of complete darkness, you know, how matter, no matter how long or short they may seem, depending on how you connect with them, they can either empower you and connect you to an even deeper understanding of this divine feminine and masculine experience. That's what you know, really diving in with the death of my family member, my grandmother, that's what that did for me. Um, but that's because I wasn't bypassing it. You know, I used those phrases as intentions to say, you know, I, I just, I knew in my heart, like, wow, there's so much that's within here, you know, there, there's just so much here, you know, for me in terms of learning, you know, really, what is, you know, a soul, what is, you know, you know, contemplating what happens, you know, after death and how, you know, she's still able to guide me today. Like there was, there was just so much there, you know, but none of that would have happened if I just kind of brushed it off. And I said, oh, you know, that's just a natural part of life. You know, everything happens for a reason, yada, yada, yada. So there's like a way, you know, to go about those phrases with some intention and, it just depends on what you want. You know, that's what it's always going to boil down to. You know, all of this, I, I mean, I just talked about a lot, but, you know, everything with perfection and imperfection, divine feminine, divine masculine, again, those are all just ideas. You know, those are all things that just came through for me today. And it's not, I'm not necessarily saying that those are, those are, might not even be the correct interpretations of divine feminine, divine masculine, according to history or whatever else might be out there. None of this is well-researched. All of this is channeled. My point is that it's not necessarily right. It's just, if anything, it just highlights, you know, how it will always boil down to how is it that you want to live? That's the most important thing. And, you know, I don't know how many times and ways I can really emphasize that. I feel like that's what it's always going to boil down to, you know, at the end of these. But do you want to live, you know, honoring the perfection and imperfection within you for a fuller expression of you? Do you want to honor the divine feminine and masculine within yourself and within other people? Do you want, you know, creation ultimately to be your teacher, which equalizes everybody else, you know, and basically makes it so everybody is an equal teacher, you know, because that's a lot, you know, what I'm realizing now, you know, repeating what I received today, that's a lot of responsibility, you know, because what that means is you really need to take care. Oh, 
well, yes, take care of yourself, but take responsibility for yourself as your own healer, as your own guide and your own teacher. That's what happened to me, you know, because there were so many, I've received healing services before. A couple of them, absolutely life-changing. I wrote about one, um, my favorite to date. It is, I wrote about it. I think it's called The Rebirth or something. Um, my favorite, favorite reading of all time. And what sucked after that and making, you know, you know, my decisions about, you know, how it is that I wanted to live my life. I'm just like, wow, no more readings, you know, because for me, receiving readings from, and it would depend, you know, like I don't necessarily know what's in the future. Maybe one day I'll feel inspired to get a reading again from somebody else, you know, in somebody else's language. But right now I realized when I even thought about it, I was like, oh, could I get a reading about this? Then I was like, that totally goes against everything that I believe in right now about developing my own relationship with creation. Um, You can answer your own questions. And I did. And so it's a lot of power, but it's also a lot of responsibility because, you know, if you think it can't happen to you, it's not a bad thing. It's just that right now it's, it's just so crystal clear to me. And it's so crazy because there were times when I would have jumped, you know, years ago where I would have jumped at receiving a bunch of different readings. And now I'm just like, I don't really know, you know, because I feel as if it doesn't, my goal right now, my personal, you know, vision for myself that I'm always, you know, thinking about is, does this enhance my relationship with creation or not? You know, and in some instances, maybe a reading does fit. And in some instances, it's like, no, you know, that's totally taking me out of my power and doesn't enhance my relationship with creation whatsoever. So that's really what all of these are. You know, it just, it depends on what, again, you know, how you want to live, you know, all of this really information, it's just, it's just that. It's just information. You know, it's coming from an imperfect person. It's coming from love, but it is coming through, you know, completely an imperfect, you know, vessel. So you take what you want and you do whatever with the rest, but it's less about what I'm, you know, right or wrong about and more of just like how, you know, do you want to honor, you know, yourself as your own channel for creation, because that is a lot. That's like, that's, it's just like a new, um, like, I don't know if you were in a relationship, that's kind of like buying an engagement ring or something. I don't know why I'm pretending to know anything about engagement. You know, I've never been engaged before in my entire life, you know, or like even thought about getting married. So maybe that was like the wrong thing, but it's kind of like, it is a little bit, you know, (laughs) It's kind of like, you know, getting engaged because then you're just like, oh, you know, the times of, you know, really looking at other people is over, you know? So, or, you know, for me personally, the time of really looking to other healers beyond, you know, them as expressions of creation, because like I said, three, you know, I've always got three in mind where I'm like, ooh, yeah, you know, you guys like inspire me. But again, their relationships with creation are what inspire me. You know, it's not, I'm not looking to them for physical information anymore. I'm looking to them like, wow, I really admire how they carry themselves through this earth, you know, through this experience and how they honor themselves and how they show up as space holders. 
that's what it is that I really, really love. And that is what it is that I deeply admire about them. So all of these, everything I say is ultimately it's an invitation. Do you want to? And if you do, I think that's wonderful. And if you don't, then it's just not for you. Or maybe it's not for you right now, you know? What I'm offering here are just different perspectives and different, you know, things that aspects and different dimensions that you can, you know, include in your relationship to creation if that is something that you are interested in, you know, or uh, the underworld. The darkness is a great example, you know? Do you want a relationship with the underworld where, you know, you know on a soul level you're not afraid to engage with whatever it is that you need to engage with because you know ultimately it will reveal more love and I guess light, you could say light, Um, but light as in love and truth, you know, because again, darkness and light, they go together. So not to be all love and light on you guys, haha, but um, no, it's it is a choice, you know, love is a choice. So, you know, saying to yourself, do you like, do I want this, you know, do I want this relationship with the underworld? Do I want this relationship with myself where I'm, you know, facing my deepest fears? Do I want depth? Because, you know, you can, you can just tell, you know, you can tell with people who have truly embraced the underworld archetype or their experience, either in their soul narrative, or they have experienced, you know, the underworld archetype enough times, and they've come out of it, you can just tell. And by the way, those three people, like, that, definitely, they've experienced the underworld archetype more than once. Um, So their relationship with the darkness is, you know, they know exactly what it is, they know the place it has in their life as, like, one of their sacred teachers, you know, they have so much bravery and so much depth within them, you know, and that's a choice, you know, the other choice is denial of, you know, the darkness, which again, love and light using it in that way is just straight up denying that the darkness exists or, um, suppression, you know, suppress, sorry, suppressing, suppressing this idea that there is darkness in existence you know, in fear, etc. You know, when you do that, you are dishonoring a part of the divine feminine, which is connected to the divine masculine. So all in all, honoring the perfection, the imperfection, the divine masculine, the, the divine feminine, it's just a different, you know, again, all tied into the father um, or the father, at least on this day. It's just a choice, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful choice. You know, this is one of the ways in which I choose, you know, to live my life, but there is no right or wrong choice. There's just, you know, what feels right to you right now. And then what feels right to you in an hour from now. And then what feels right to you two days from now, you know, there's whatever allows you to either, you know, suppress love or reveal more love in the world. And it's, which one do you want to choose? So yeah, thanks for hanging in with me here. You know, I did not, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what it was I thought, honestly, that I thought I was going to talk about. Um, Oh, well, I kind of do. You know, I came in here thinking, you know, let's talk about perfection and imperfection and how, you know, not letting 
imperfection block us, you know, as our space holders, you know, because that is, I mean, I, I think that's still one of the more important things, you know, from today, or, you know, you can decide, you know, what is truly important to you. But this is just one beautiful example of a perspective that may allow you to hold space for yourself. And that is ultimately, you know, what I want here. You know, as I said before, that is my deepest. I just, I started to combine, combine two words together and I just did it again. <laughs> that is my deepest passion, you know, of my life is, you know, there was a day I just woke up and I was like, wow, I get to know, I get to get to know God for the rest of my life. You know, that's my favorite, you know, little download ever is understanding that that is exactly what I wanted to do. And that is, you know, the impetus, the foundation, the inspiration behind this is, you know, letting people know that no matter what it is that you want to learn about, you know, because God knows, you know, people like me need people like you or somebody else out there to tell them which essential oils can go where on their body. You know, there are so many ways to hold space. You know, again, the point of this is not the archetypes specifically. I think I even said that before, you know, the archetypes just allow me to channel in a cohesive story, you know? The point of this is not necessarily the archetypes specifically. It's learning, you know, how it is that you really want to show up. And again, the offering, how you want to offer yourself to the world. And there are so many ways to do that. You know, I talked about crystals and essential oils, you know, pendulums. And well, actually, I think I just mentioned pendulums. Um, but this is even applicable to my own mom. You know, my mom who is not into any of this stuff whatsoever. But, you know, I have a feeling, you know, because she just like popped into my mind, you know, she is, you know, a healer in her own way. She saves lives. Oh my gosh, that was my favorite thing about her as a kid. You know, I was always like, my mom saves lives. You know, she works, you know, at the time she worked in a hospital and now she works in a surgery center. But that was the thing that I always deeply admired about her. You know, it was like, my mommy saves lives. And she came in and like showed us her equipment at school. Okay. You know, that's like memories from when I was five. Um, my point is this applies to everyone, not just, you know, people that have a specific healing practice. You know, the archetypes are just a form. You know, my mom's anesthesia, that would be just a form, you know, um, essential oils, taking baths, hike, like those are all, I was going to say hiking. Um, those are all just forms. What matters more than the how or not more, but what goes, yeah, hand in hand. What always goes hand in hand with the how is the relationship, you know? So divine feminine is the how, you know, my mom's anesthesia, my archetypes, your, whatever your, you know, offering is, that's the divine feminine, but your relationship to the divine masculine, that is equally important. And that is what looks different for everybody else, you know? So, I mean, if everything that I said to you was just like mumbo jumbo, just wait, I'm sure I'll put out something that's for you too. But different perspectives allow you to, you know, click in 
and just like allow you to, you know, understand like there are just there are so many different ways to relate to, you know, creation within yourself. So I'm sure there's a perspective out there for you if none of this made sense. But hopefully at least, you know, one part did. And I was so happy to share this with you. But just, you know, think about that. Think about how also just the overall perspective very quickly of duality, because I talked about a lot about, you know, the divine feminine and the divine masculine, even though the card that came through for the overall energy of, you know, what to talk about today was the father. Think about, you know, take a step back, you know, and imagine you're just like looking at like a bigger picture. Consider, and this is the last thing I'll leave you with, your relationship to duality, you know, because everything that I talked about on, you know, from like, if you take like a step back, it's also about how you connect to a lot of this actually is about how you connect to duality in general, you know, because I talked about, you know, how the divine feminine and the divine masculine go together, how, you know, the divine feminine allows to reveal, you know, deeper parts of your soul, how those go together, you know, because divine feminine, you know, the material experience, the ever-changing experience, you know, reveals different parts of, you know, the soul, the anchor that you connect to the eternal presence within you. And then, you know, also realizing that the underworld and the divine feminine are connected to one another darkness reveals light darkness allows for light and vice versa you know these are all examples of duality and so what's really the game changer here is or the focal point here both is going to be how do you connect to duality when it is presented to you because you can either connect to duality there are ways that you can connect to duality in terms of acknowledging one half and suppressing the other or taking both as two sides of the same coin because that's what this really is you know there is either acknowledging you know either one of the sides of duality or there is realizing that they are both sides to the same coin and if you acknowledge both and if you harness the power of both that leads to a fuller you know otherworldly expression that you could not have even conceived of if you only acknowledged, you know, one or the other. So it's either, you know, which one do you want? You know, how do you want to live? Do you want to acknowledge both parts or parts as separate or, you know, as in, you know, the divine feminine and masculine are completely separate or, do, you know, as one example, or the divine and feminine and masculine as two parts to one whole. And what you're really acknowledging when you acknowledge one or the other is the whole. Because again, the father came through, the mother did not. And the mother is like a whole other thing, but I could not talk about the father without talking about, you know, the divine masculine without the feminine. So that's just, the the whole thing is an example of how to, you know, acknowledge two halves to one whole and realize that they are whole in themselves and also a part of a whole. But that's a whole other thing. So, oh yeah, no pun intended. Um, I'm not even sure if that was a pun, but I will leave you with that. And... This was so much fun, and I wonder what will come through next. But thank you so much for listening. If you made it all the way to the end, 
and I look forward to talking to you soon.